welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Lisa Abigail. I'm Lorena Rose. And I'm Aliza Ora. For today's minisode, we are going to be talking about Area 51 by listener request. So for today, Lisa has done some research. My favorite. Yay! So Lisa, <laughs> I believe you're going to give us a little bit of background on Area 51, and then you are going to give Aliza and I a true or false quiz, and we are going to try and guess if these are real facts about Area 51 or if they're just shit you made up, <laughs> and we're going to compete against each other. Yes. And listeners, you can follow along too and try and guess the answers and see if you can score better than me or Aliza do, and then you can weigh in on Instagram and Twitter and let us know how you did. I just had a thought that we should have gotten you guys some kind of, like, buzzer can you guys just make ding ding sounds with your mouth ding ding when you want to answer a yes. question okay yes we can make ding dings with our mouth great <laughs> okay <clears throat> all right so i'll start us off like lorena said with a brief history area 51 was developed in 1955 as a top secret facility to develop and test new aircraft for espionage and war the site was chosen by the central intelligence agency in collaboration with the u.s air force and the defense contractor lockheed martin throughout its history area 51 was used as a development and training ground for some of the most advanced aircraft the u.s has ever developed and it was also used as a nuclear weapons testing facility much of the activity on the site initially was centered around the Cold War arms race with the Soviet Union, and conspiracy theories about Area 51 started swirling in the 1980s, particularly in 1989 when a man who claimed to have worked at Area 51 said that the government was using the site to examine recovered alien spacecraft. He even claimed Ooh. to have worked on one. One of the most persistent rumors has been that the site holds the spacecraft that supposedly crashed in Roswell in 1947, along with the bodies of its alien crew. And if you haven't listened to our first four minisodes, which cover the Roswell incident, you can find out a lot more information there. So today we want to bring you some info about Area 51, but... Like Lorena said, rather than just tell you everything that I found out, we thought it would be fun to play a little game of knowledge where Eliza and Lorena will be competing against each other. Before we get into the true-false, I'm going to start us off with some basic open-ended history questions just to get us in the groove and to make sure everyone knows what this Area 51 thing is that we're talking about. Okay. Let's begin with, where the heck is this place? What is the closest major U.S. city to Area 51? Ding, ding. Lorena. It's in the state of Nevada. I don't know what city it's next to. Las Vegas? Yes, that is correct. Las wow. Yeah. So Las Vegas is between 80 and 100 miles away. Estimates I found varied, and I think that that's because um, Area 51 sits on a larger base. It's on what was called the Nevada Test and Training Range, now part of the Nevada National Security Site. And so I think it depends on like where people are measuring from. But... Yeah, it's a easy day trip from Las Vegas that you shouldn't make. It's illegal to go there. Don't do it. <laughs> Except all those people tried to go there in September. 
We'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question two. In the 1950s and 1960s, lots of folks in the area saw flight tests of secret aircraft. The CIA was happy to let these witnesses believe that they had seen what? Ding, ding. Eliza. An alien spaceship. Yes. Yes. Uh, it doesn't seem that the CIA actively pushed the story that these were UFOs, but they also didn't really try to dispel this notion. They would usually tell people what they had seen was some sort of atmospheric disturbance or was part of high-altitude weather research, but like, really it just worked well for their purposes to have people believe anything other than we're testing secret weapons that you're not allowed to know about. All right, question three. In what year did the U.S. government officially acknowledge the existence of Area 51? Y'all can both guess, and whoever's closest will win. Not the Price is Right rule, so don't just guess the year one. <laughs> year 1989. Okay, Eliza, what's your oh, guess? Oh, I was going to say 1990. <laughs> Ooh. All right. <laughs> So, Eliza wins because the answer, y'all, is 2013. What? Yes. So, this was in Whoa. response to a Freedom of Information Act request that had been made eight years earlier by Dr. Jeffrey T. Richelson of the George Washington University National Security Archive. In response, they got this, like, 400-page document dump from the government. But 2013, um, President Obama was the very first U.S. president to acknowledge the existence of Area 51. Gotta love him. All right. Question four. Which of the following was not a nickname for Area 51 that was used by government and defense personnel? Was it Paradise Ranch, Groom Lake, or Mirage Bend? Ding, ding, ding. Aliza. The Mirage one? That's right. It was never known as Mirage Bend. It was sometimes called Paradise Ranch to try and make it sound more appealing. Other nicknames included Dreamland, for the same reasons, and Watertown Airstrip, because it flooded. And the location is actually Groom Lake, which is a dry lake bed. We have one of those in the town where I grew up. Oh, cool. There's a neighborhood called The Lake, but there isn't a lake there. <laughs> and now on to the last of our starter questions. Area 51 is still in operation today. Which U.S. agency or organization oversees it? Ding, ding. Yes, Lorena. The FBI. That is incorrect. Aliza, would you like to take a guess? The Air Force. Yes. Ooh. It is the Air Force. Whoa. Lorena, that was a, a good guess. And the CIA actually ran the site until the 1970s when it became a detachment of the Air Force Flight Test Center, which is headquartered at Edwards Air Force Base in California. Um, and some of the more recent things developed there are thought to include some of the stealth technology that was used in the raid that killed Osama bin Laden. So who knows what kinds of things they're working on now? Mm. We might be finding out all sorts of crazy things in 20 years. Producer Ashley, after this quick little start around, what are our scores? It is four to one, yeah. Eliza. <laughs> Lorena, we're going to now enter the true-false arena. This is your turn to catch up. You have a 50-50 shot at every question. Okay. Are we dinging still? Yeah. Okay. Still, yeah, ding. Okay. All right, first true-false question. I mentioned earlier that Dr. Richelson's FOIA request prompted the official confirmation of Area 51's existence. 
True or false, the request asked for any information related to the identification, examination, or analysis of unidentified aerial phenomena by U.S. military personnel. Ding, ding. Yes, Lorena. True. No, that is false. (sighs) He was actually looking for information on the U-2 plane reconnaissance program. Upon reviewing the documents, Richelson said, quote, There certainly was, as you would expect, no discussion of little green men here. This is a history of the U-2. The only overlap is the discussion of the U-2 flights and UFO sightings. The fact that you had these high-flying aircraft in the air being the cause of some of the sightings, end quote. And so the U-2 was the first major successful project to be tested at Area 51. It was a spy plane that could fly at altitudes of 70,000 feet, which is roughly twice the cruising altitude of your typical commercial plane. They had to develop a special fuel that wouldn't evaporate at those heights and special pressurized suits to keep the pilot's insides inside them. And those suits later played a key role in the program to put humans into space. All right. Question two, true or false, the codename Area 51 originally referred to the memo written by President Dwight Eisenhower that authorized the creation of the site. The memo was number 51-03233. Ding, ding. Eliza. True. This is false. Oh! (laughs) The area around Groom Lake where the site is located was simply designated Area 51 on old maps of the Nevada nuclear test site that were produced by the Atomic Energy Commission, which eventually evolved into the U.S. Department of Energy, and I didn't know that it had its roots in the Manhattan Project. Oh, that makes sense. So President Eisenhower was involved, though, in the creation of Area 51 because he ordered the development of the U-2 aircraft to evade Soviet tracking, and he directed officials to find a large remote and covert location where they could train and test these aircraft. All right, question three. One plane developed at Area 51 was called the Bird of Prey after its resemblance to a certain Klingon spacecraft from Star Trek. Ding, ding. Yes, Lorena. True. Yes, this is true. (laughs) The plane was a research and development aircraft that was used to test different technologies and to make planes less visible to the eye and less detectable by radar. But no word on whether the government's version included a warp drive. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. All right, question four. One Air Force project, codenamed Skunk Works, involved fighter jets releasing specially developed clouds of gas that would confuse enemy radar. True or false? Ding, ding, ding. Ooh, you all both done. True. Oh, oh. I'm okay. going to weigh in for false then. All right. Since you both dinged in at the same time and the internet is what it is with delays, I'm going to accept both of those answers and give it to <laughs> Lorena. This is false. However, Skunk Works is actually the name of Lockheed Martin's Advanced Systems Development Division. And the name supposedly came from the hangar where the engineers first gathered, which was very, very stinky. So high tech. Hmm. Uh, There is like a very glossy Lockheed Martin website devoted to their Skunk Works division. It's pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Okay, question five. The Soviets had their own secret base equivalent to Area 51. True or false, the Russian name of this base translated to Little Pocket Watch. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Mm, Eliza. True. No, this is false. Uh, Their equivalent had the very sexy name NII88. (laughs) (laughs) 
It was located in a small industrial town 40 miles outside of Moscow, and the Soviets used the site primarily to work on developing intercontinental ballistic missiles, which they claimed they were squeezing out like sausages, which was false and also gross. Yes. Yeah. What? Question six. The U.S. was able to examine a Soviet MiG fighter jet thanks to Israel, who had acquired one in 1966 from an Iraqi Air Force captain who defected. So true or false, the U.S.'s project to extract useful information and or technology from the MiG was codenamed Have Donut. Ding, ding. Lorena. True. It's true. It's so silly. Uh, I love this. So the name of the project. Have Donut. The name of the project supposedly came from the shape of the sight reticle, which is that, like, thingy that you see in movies when they're looking at the crosshair and they're seeing, like, other planes show up okay. on the little visualization mm-hmm. screen. That's a sight reticle. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it and it'll come up. But, yeah, I had no idea that this had even happened. So, thanks, Israel. This was really helpful in reverse engineering the Soviet technology and also in discovering that... While the Soviets were boasting about having vastly superior technology to the U.S., they did not, which was good information for us to know. Israel, on the other hand, did. Oh, yes. Israel has always had fantastic military technology. Yes. And all technology. I mean, cell phones. Like, oh, yeah. They had, you know, they had the technology for cell phones before we did. Yeah. Okay. Question seven. The F-117 Nighthawk was the U.S.'s first stealth bomber. It was developed in the 1970s. True or false, its design was heavily influenced by the streamlined appearance of UFOs as they were depicted in numerous stories of sightings throughout the 1950s and 1960s. Ding, ding. Eliza. False. That is false. If you look at pictures, which I'll put in our show notes, the thing does kind of look like it could be a UFO with like a boomerang shape and it has this faceted surface that looks a little bit like a gemstone. But these design features were specifically intended to reflect and disrupt radar beams. The F-117 was first flown in 1981 and was not revealed to the public until 1988. And it remained in use throughout the U.S. conflicts in the Middle East until it was retired in 2008. So it had a real long run. Question eight. In the mid-1970s, a plane that had been tested at Area 51 became the first aircraft to travel at Superman-like speeds. True or false, it could literally travel faster than a speeding bullet. Ding, ding. Yes, Eliza. False. This is true. The plane, the SR-71, remains the world's fastest aircraft. It could travel at Mach 3.3, which is 2,193 miles per hour, or 400 feet per second, which is faster oh than the speed of a bullet leaving a rifle. Wow. It's like faster than I can really fathom. Yeah, it's hard to comprehend how fast that is. Question nine. Area 51 employees have a dedicated commuter air shuttle, but true or false, they're not allowed to look out the airplane windows to see their workplace from above. Ding, ding. Lorena. True. This is true. The window shades are permanently down to prevent anyone from looking out on the site's restricted airspace. The airplanes on this route use the call sign Janet, and I have decided, because I can't find information on why this is, that it is because they are all piloted by our favorite, not a girl, Janet, from the show The Good Place. Yes, absolutely. And the U.S. government will never contradict me, so this is now officially true. (laughs) But is it good Janet or bad Janet? That's the question. 
Ooh, I want to say Disco Janet. <laughs> Sounds and good. she like roller skates down the aisles because she's also the flight attendant. And she's just like <laughs> handing out martinis and stuff. Oh, Janet. Gotta mm, love her. The best in all of her iterations. Yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, before we get into this, Ashley, can you give us an update on our scores? It's a freaking tie, y'all. <gasps> it is oh my five gosh. to five. No way all right Marina, oh. you're going down oh. <laughs> <laughs> tie-breaking question drum roll please okay so there's there's a there's a long lead into this one so bear with me okay, okay. all right because we mentioned this earlier a joke event created last year on facebook proposed storming area 51 because quote they can't stop all of us The brilliant military-level tactical plan laid out on the event page hinged on three groups of people. Rock throwers, Naruto runners who would hold their arms out behind them and therefore be able to move faster than bullets. And dudes known as Kyles who would be armed with Munster Energy Drink and I assume are named for our Roswell fave Kyle Valenti. Obviously. Yeah. Okay. True or false, the event garnered more than 2 million RSVPs on Facebook. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Lorena. True. It is true. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. Yay. All right. Congratulations, Lorena. Good game. Thank you. It's very close. Yes. This was exciting. It was, this was a nail biter, y'all. So this event, I just want to, the amount of absurd information on this event is astounding. So the original poster of this event grew concerned after some media outlets started reporting on this as though it were a serious proposal. And the FBI showed up to question him. And so in response to this, he wrote, hello, US government, this is a joke. And I do not actually intend to go ahead with this plan. I just thought it would be funny and get me some thumbsy uppies on the internet. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not responsible if people decide to actually storm Area 51. Oh, buddy. It became a huge thing. Like it a big did. viral thing. It did. And fortunately, it ended mostly without incident. A few people got arrested, but it was for like dumb stuff, not for trying to actually get onto the Air Force Base. Um, and in the end, about 6,000 people did gather in the town of Rachel, which is near Area 51. And depending on who you ask, they hung out and had some fun times, or they bothered the locals and put a huge stress on the municipal services and infrastructure. But hopefully, like, brought some revenue to the businesses in town. Yeah, no, apparently none of them bought anything. They just camped out and made a mess. What? That's what I read from, like, the locals. People, if you're going somewhere, especially a small town, buy things. Go to restaurants. This town, I... There are fewer than 100 people who live there. So it's tiny, tiny, tiny. Okay, so go to the tiny corner store and buy things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can, like, support you- 6,000 people. Golly, you could bolster their economy. And pick up your trash. Right? Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to say. Also, clean up after yourself. Yeah. So in closing, please, please, please do not try to go to Area 51. But I have a recommendation for something you can do instead. And I think... Ladies, that we should do this. Okay. You can take a road trip down the extraterrestrial highway, which is the stretch of Nevada Route 375 that was officially given the alien moniker in 1996 to coincide with the release of the movie Independence Day, where humans make their last stand at Area 51. So if you go on this road trip, you'll pass by the service road that leads to Area 51, but unless you want to have a run in with some camo dudes, it's probably best to stay away. 
And instead, you can indulge in some photo ops. So there's the official like government green sign demarcating the extraterrestrial highway. There's a sign advertising E.T. Fresh Jerky. Mm. Mm. There's a humongous metal <laughs> alien outside the Alien Research Center gift shop where you can also buy some alien tequila. And there is a place called the Little L.A. Inn, which I will put in our show notes so you can see how it's spelled. It's very cute. And that is in that tiny town of Rachel where you can get what I have been told by my close personal friends, the internet, is a delicious slice of blueberry pie. Nice. Oh, well, sounds I great. think this is definitely a side trip we have to take after the um, the UFO festival. Yeah. Definitely. And also along this route, I found out that there are a ton of sites for geocaching, if that's a thing you're into. This isn't something I was aware of until I read about it it's in my so research for this fun. minisode. Yeah, so it sounds like grown-up scavenger hunting. It is. It's really cool. I have done it. Let's do it. Yeah. So my final question for Eliza and Lorena is, how soon can we go? Maybe not this summer, but next summer? Yeah. Summer I think that's 2021, doable. let's make it a goal. All right. Let's do it. And when we do, listeners will tell you all about it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today for this discussion and quiz about Area 51. If you played along with our quiz, make sure you let us know how you did. On our next mini-sode, we'll be discussing international UFO sightings, focusing on the top countries outside of the USA where our listeners reside. Next Tuesday, we'll be back discussing Roswell Season 1, Episode 16, Sexual Healing. In the meantime, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. You can check out the show notes at our website, roswellhotsauce.com, along with information about each of us. And check us out on Twitter and Instagram at roswellhotsauce. Our email address is roswellhotsauce at gmail.com if you have anything you'd like to share with us, especially if you have an idea for us to cover in a future minisode. Until next time, we'll be out cruising the extraterrestrial highway.